0: Carolyn Watt of the BBC called this an Easter of Suffering. Uh, Both the Pope and the Archbishop of Canterbury, who represent like a pretty big swath of the church worldwide, both of them included the mention of suffering in their Easter homilies. We're reading about Kenya, we're reading about Libya, we're reading about Syria, we're reading about Iraq... Quote, Christians were harassed in 102 countries when you look at either the government doing that harassing or some social group within that country. 13.6 million people. That's the equivalent of the population of London. So just imagine the largest city in Europe and everybody's displaced. That's the number of people that have been displaced in Syria and Iraq. Many of them are Christians. Do, do, not all of them are Christians. The tragedy in Syria is 700,000 Syrian Christians have left. Now that's really tragic. But uh, again, the, the, this tragedy that's happening is happening with human beings. Some of those human beings are followers of Jesus. Some of those human beings are cultural Christians that live in in enclaves of Christendom. Some of them are Muslim. Some of them are other brands of faith. But these are human beings. And our heart ought to go, I mean, this is is an Easter of suffering. Uh, a, A reliable ministry, because not every ministry that reports on the suffering in the world is reliable... Uh, But one that is, is Open Doors. Brother Andrews in the past, if any of you ever read a book, God Smuggler, he was that guy. He he has a huge heart for the persecuted church, and so they do a world watch list. These are uh, the top ten places in our planet right now that uh, a persecuted church exists there. North Korea, Somalia, Iraq, Syria, Afghanistan, Sudan, Iran, Pakistan. Eritrea and Nigeria. From imprisonment to torture to beheadings, more Christians worldwide live in fear for their lives than at any other time in the modern era. The situation is reaching crisis levels. Christianity faces possible extinction in the Middle East, and persecution is growing at alarming rates in Asia in Africa. Those are things that you and I should know about. I mean, I hope that most of us do read some sort of news or listen to some sort of news. I, I hope this is not a surprise to you that there has been a rise in suffering on the globe. And it really brings us to the question, you know, what, what are we to think and then what are we to do? And what again amazes me, what I already said earlier, is that as we're traveling through the Acts of the Apostle, we would just kind of bump we just bump upon something that's like really similar. I mean, something that would really give us good advice, that would be a way for you and I to think about and maybe even do something about suffering in the world. So I really appreciate uh, what the Holy Spirit has done in delivering. A word to us, and then it's timeliness. Uh, Only he can orchestrate that. So I ask, Holy Spirit, as we read the word, that you would open up our hearts, that you would open up our minds, and that you would teach us what we are to do, what we are to think about this rise of suffering in our world today. So if you want to follow along, you can either do that in your Bible or on your smartphone or your tablet, or you can just simply follow along as I read from the screen above Acts 21 verse 1 through 14 Paul is leaving Ephesus after being there for a couple of years so with tearful goodbyes behind us we were on our way we made a straight run to Coasts. the next day reached Rhodes and then Patera there we found a ship going direct to Phoenicia got on board and set sail Cyprus came into view on our left, but was soon out of sight. So we kept on course for Syria and eventually docked in the port of Tyre. While the cargo was being unloaded, we looked for the local disciples, the followers of Jesus, and we stayed with them for seven days. Their message to Paul, from insight given to the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, was, don't go to Jerusalem. When our time was up, they escorted us out of the city to the docks. Everyone came along, men, women, children. They made a farewell party of the occasion. We all kneeled together on the beach and prayed. Then after another round of saying goodbye, we climbed on board the ship while they drifted back to their homes. A short run from Tyre to Tolemus completed the voyage. We greeted our "...Christian friends there and stayed with them a day. In the morning we went on to Caesarea and stayed with Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. Philip had four virgin daughters who prophesied. After several days of visiting, a prophet from Judea by the name of Agabus came down to see us. He went right up to Paul, took Paul's belt, and in a dramatic gesture tied himself up, hands and feet. He said, "'This is what the Holy Spirit says.'" The Jews in Jerusalem are going to tie up the man who owns this belt just like this and hand him over to godless unbelievers. When we heard that, we and everyone there that day begged Paul not to be stubborn and persist in going to Jerusalem. But Paul didn't budge. Why all this hysteria? Why do you insist on making a scene and making it even harder for me? You're looking at this backwards. The issue in Jerusalem is not what they do to me, whether arrest or murder, but what the master Jesus does through my obedience. Can't you see that? If they would have answered, they would have said no. We saw that we weren't going making even a dent in his resolve and gave up. It's in God's hand now. Master, you handle it. Most of us probably are not familiar with the geography. So just by way of looking at the map, Paul is completing the third missionary journey. He's been in Ephesus, and then he made a quick trip around, and now he's coming back this way, back to Tyre, Caesarea. So all that's happening. He's on his way to Jerusalem. Now, what we need to be reminded of is that if you back up just a chapter... Paul had been guided by the Holy Spirit to do what he's doing. As he's saying farewell to the Ephesian church, he says, there's another urgency before me now. I feel compelled to go to Jerusalem. I'm completely in the dark about what will happen when I get there. I do not know I, or I do know, I do know that it won't be a picnic, for the Holy Spirit has let me know repeatedly and clearly that there are hard times and imprisonment ahead. So as Paul is just this sense of, I, for whatever, whatever reason, I'm still in the dark about the reasons, whatever, I'm, being, I'm really being compelled, drawn by the Holy Spirit, I need to go to Jerusalem, and the only thing I know is it's going to be really difficult. The Holy Spirit has let me know repeatedly and clearly that there are hard times and imprisonment ahead. Paul knew, I'm going to Jerusalem. There's hard times and imprisonment. Repeatedly, the Holy Spirit is telling me that. And then, did you notice? But that matters little. What matters most to me is to finish what God started the job the Master Jesus gave me of letting everyone I know and I meet, let them know about this incredibly extravagant generosity of God. My imprisonment, my difficult times, that's not what's really important. What's important is that I've got a job to do, and that job is to testify to witness to what God has done through Jesus Christ for all of humanity. So when you come back to these words that you're finding as He's moving, I would consider those words of confirmation. The Holy Spirit has repeatedly told me that as I make my way, it's going to be a hard time. Well, what it will be, entire? What's the message, Paul? Don't go, don't go because it's going to be a difficult time. And then he gets to Caesarea. He's in Philip's house with daughters that are prophetesses. And they're all, I mean, all of them. Again, Holy Spirit confirming. Paul, the Holy Spirit says the Jews in Jerusalem are going to tie up this man who owns this belt just like this and hand him over to Godless, uh, okay? See, what what we need to, Paul's not being stubborn. The Holy Spirit just keeps reminding him, this is going to be a difficult time for you. There's, there, uh, imprisonment is awaiting you. So he's just being reminded, this is what you're stepping into. And did you notice that in spite of the persecution, that's not, that's not what's, that's not, that's not, that's, that's not what, ma- that's not it. Earlier he says, what matters most is the witness. What he'll say later is, the issue in Jerusalem is not what they do to me, whether they arrest me or kill me. Do you hear that? That's not the issue. I I could be in prison, I could be killed. But what's important is what the Master Jesus does through my obedience. I know that I'm being obedient by going to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit has made that quite clear to me. He's also warned me. He's preparing me. It's going to be hard. And if I lose my life or I'm in prison, that's not not the issue. The issue is, am I being obedient? So man, if that is not relevant to what's happening in our world today, I don't know how it couldn't be anymore. So let me kind of try to put it together as I kind of bounce out of Paul's life into our life. One, did you notice? That he looks at the people and says, "You know, why, why all this hysteria? Your, your, your hysteria is not helping. Well, I think that's probably pretty relevant to us. Now again, I, it, what is happening... To people on the planet is tragic, awful, horrible. I grieve for those losses. But just getting excited about it or emotional about it does not solve it. So I think that we have to, have we kind of have to put a little ratchet, a little ceiling what I would really, 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 really encourage all of us, when you read about some tragic thing that's happening to Christians over there, make sure you fact check. Because there's a lot of things that are being given out through the news and the internet that are just flat not true. So you, we've all, again, again, we've got to, you've got to go for the truth. And so don't just, don't get, don't go off in hysteria, and start recruiting people to do whatever without checking it to make sure. And then would you please, what, this is what we're doing today, we're remembering history in Scripture. What has happened to followers of Jesus since the first century? What happened to Jesus? If you and I are going to follow Jesus, what did Jesus say? If they did it to me... Anybody want to, you want to finish the sentence? They're going to do it to you. Now, I know it probably, it probably makes you feel really comfortable. Well, that's just you, Scott. You know, you're the one with the calling, not me. Baloney, we're the body of Christ. All of us are following Jesus. He's saying that to all of us, not just those that teach on a Sunday morning. If they did it to me, they'll do it to you. Now, again, that doesn't mean it's got to happen, but it could. What, what happened? I mean, the church has given birth in Jerusalem. And what happened to the church in Jerusalem? Persecuted and scattered. History: what happened to every one of the followers of Jesus that were called apostles? every one of them, except for John? I mean how, how in the world do we all of a sudden get to 2015 and think like, well, I guess civilization has gotten to a place of civility. we're not ever going to be persecuted? Huh, what? Is that, is that spiritual history? I think we have to be really careful in our own country. I and mean, I'm very grateful that in the foundation of our country there were genuine, bona fide followers of Jesus. They found a refuge in the United States, but that wasn't all of them. America has a civil It has a civil religion. Some of it's honoring to Jesus, some of it isn't. It's a hodgepodge. So some, somehow in the founding of our nation, do we think that the church is never going to face any kind of persecution in the United States? It's our birthright not to have persecution. That's not what spiritual history is. Again, I, I hope not, but the Bible doesn't teach that. So we've gotta we've gotta be people that read the story. Because the story is continuing, then the next thing I think is like super, super important. We have got to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit as we're reading the Bible, as we're living in the history of God. We've got to li- what is the Holy Spirit saying to us, and then we've got to interpret that. Personally, I think the people that were you know, no Paul, don't go, don't go. They were hearing the Holy Spirit, but they were hearing the warnings that the Holy Spirit, that Paul already had heard. <laughs> and so they weren't interpreting. And so they weren't helping him. Y'all, y'all are killing me. This is, this is already hard enough on me that I have to... I mean, I already know things are... It's not going to be good. But you're breaking my heart, because you're you're all crying and holding on to me. I got... You do interpret what the Holy Spirit is saying. We've got to listen. What is the Holy Spirit saying? What is the Holy Spirit saying about these, this, this displacement of people across Iraq and Syria? And how do we interpret that? then I think bottom line is we have got to regain somehow the perspective that Paul had as he faced persecution. What kind of witness are we providing to those who persecute us? What kind of witness are we providing to those who persecute us. Now, (laughs) on a weekly basis, as a pastor, I'm getting emails about the persecution of Christians in America. Two things there. One, I would kind of contrast that to what's happening in Syria and Iraq. And I would call what's happening... uh, there's, there's some intolerance. But is it persecution? No. Could it go there? Maybe. But if it don't, did, what's my witness? Because the emails that I'm getting are angry people. Angry people. We need to get rid of the opposition. Again, is that the spirit of Jesus when he faced persecution? Bless those who persecute you. Now, I, why is that so hard for us to do in this land? What kind of witness if we stand up and demand our rights, what kind of witness is that? Is that what Jesus did? I thought like I thought the thing that Jesus did is that he gave up his rights. He didn't claim his rights. What kind of witness? what kind of witness when we start talking about let's just kill all those people that are evil over there what kind of witness is that is that what Jesus says Jesus holds us to the standard of himself and the standard of the Bible and again if I don't say these things to us to myself we can tiptoe through the tulips and do stuff that is really horrific in the name of Jesus. The other thing is, what is Jesus doing through us even at a time of persecution? I mean, if the worst happens in America, could we rally together and say, Jesus, this is a, real, this is a really hard time. Jesus, I don't, even, I don't like this. But, Jesus, what are you doing, and what do you want to do through us to continue your mission in our generation? Witness, Jesus, do through us whatever you want to do through us. This is what I'd like to end with. I believe that most of us labor under a cloud of fear. And I believe that part of what we did in our worship today is we said, there's really no reason to fear. I believe that Jesus wants to lift that fear off of us. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us about what's happening in our world. And I would just like him to open our ears. And I'd really like him to open our eyes. Remember Paul says, can't "You can't you see this? Because I see it really clear. Can't you see this? You're my best budge. Can't you see this? So I think there's a heaviness of fear and I think we have an inability to see and I'd like to pray for our eyesight which is really down into our soul into our heart what is it what do we see in these things that are happening then the, then the, the most courageous thing that you and I can pray is Jesus do whatever you want to do through us for the persecution of believers on the planet i know that there's a couple of people in the mission vineyard that are collecting money to go and care for Syrian refugees in Jordan. That's a pretty bold thing to do. Initially, when uh, one of the young men asked off for that time, even though he had he had time off, and you know he had vacation time, his company said, "Well, if you do that, we're going to fire you because that's dangerous. That's stupid. Why, 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 why in the world would you put yourself in harm's way by going and caring for refugees?" Uh, from Syria in Jordan that's just that's just dangerous fear (laughs) good news is they came back and said we were really out we really overstepped our (laughs) bounds and it's not our business to tell you uh, where you can go and what you do with your time when it's your vacation we're sorry you won't lose your job that was good but what 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 can we do Jesus, what do you want to do through us? So if you'd like to stand with me, and let's, uh, let's put our faith to work in a positive way. Yes. I want to add one more thing. We would all use all of this fear stuff as a trigger for intercession, not only for the person through the church, but for the person through If every time we saw someone in the news about ISIS, we were praying for their salvation, we'd turn the scheme of the enemy right back on. Okay. okay. Good work. Okay. Now, some of us are worry warts, and so there's a verse that says, do not worry, but in everything by prayer. Same thing. Some of us are fear mongers, so do not fear, turn it into prayer. Same thing. Right. So Holy Spirit, we recognize you're the same person that uh, spoke to Paul. Uh, as he made his way from Ephesus to Jerusalem. Uh, you're the same person who revealed to him uh, that he was to go, and he was to go into harm's way. Holy Spirit, you spoke to him in a variety of ways, I'm sure, and you told him uh, that uh, what, was, what was he was going to step into imprisonment and he was uh, possibly going to even suffer death Uh, by the hands of those that would persecute him, uh, you spoke. And so I'm just really, all I'm asking is that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, speak. We need your perspective on these very tragic and horrific events that are happening on the planet in our generation. Holy Spirit, speak to us. We're a community that depends upon your voice. As we read the word, as we've read the word today, and, and even in that, Paul says, Can't you see? I do, I do pray that you would open our eyes to see what is most important in these events. Open our eyes. Open our ears. Let us hear. Let us see. I do ask that you increase our compassion. I do thank you for for Mary Ann's just... It's not just persecuted Christians, it's people. Give us compassion for humanity that's suffering in so many places. It's just like crazy. And we know that you represent something so different for all of us. So give us compassion for these tragic events. And then, Lord, we don't want to just decide what we're going to do. We need you to be our master. We are your servants. Lord, what would you want to do through us in light of the rise of suffering on the planet in our generation? What do you want to do through us? Well, what do you want to do in our own nation as, as more and more people express this fear that, that, that the Christian faith is under attack in America? What, 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 what about that? Teach, what are you saying? What's your perspective? And then what would you want us to do? Jesus, we need you. We need your help. We thank you that the Helper is the Holy Spirit. Finally, as we read this story from Paul, I am sure that Paul had his moments of just thinking, oh my, what in the world? But somehow, he was never paralyzed by fear. So I ask Holy Spirit that you would just kind of lift the cloud of fear and doubt, all of us, uh, just off of all of us, so that we could kind of get a breath of fresh air and, and regain a perspective uh, based upon who you are and what you have done. I don't believe that things are ever hopeless anymore because of the resurrection. I believe that the faith that you've given us overcomes all of our fears. And I believe that our compassion and intercession for for other places on the planet, I believe that all counts. And and we, we just really need to be alert and active in addressing these problems by faith and hope out of the deep and great love that you have for all of us. So set us free, Lord, from fear. And finally, Lord, we pray for those 13.6 million people that have been displaced, driven out of their homes with nothing but the clothes on their back. Lord, we pray. Pray, pray for this, this, uh, these two people at Mission Vineyard that are going to go care for this, uh, the Syrian refugees. Pray that you provide a way for them to go. And pray, Lord, that you would provide for these people that are suffering because of your great mercy Lord thank you thank you that Easter continues (laughs) that your life continues lead us in your name Amen